All right, welcome to another episode of Building Tech Talk. And as always, we are joined with our resident experts. We have Scott Jenkins and Dr. Doug Brown. And uh, today we have Jason Elvey with us from Q Construction Management. Is I got the name of the company correct? That's spot on, yeah. I nailed it, all right. Uh, just wanted to uh, have a chat with you today about all the um, challenges, I guess, going on with uh, project management and and developments trying to move ahead and what's happening in that space right now just to kind of kick us off what's your what's your day-to-day like what do you what do you do within the building industry um to help get projects across the finish line well really at the moment um we uh we're we're a a construction management firm so uh our area of expertise is multifamily. um usually low-rise wood frame apartment buildings uh condo developments and mixed-use developments. Uh, We're also heavily involved in uh, tenant improvements and renovations. Um, So really, we're we're in a wonderful spot because all of our projects come via our personal or professional relationships. So really, um, you know, the challenges we're seeing is, is maybe with the permitting process and the, the time it takes to get permits across the line. Because the industry is is so buoyant, which is wonderful, um, but again, you know, we're also having to deal with supply chain issues, um, products that may have been, you know, a term off the shelf are now, you know, several weeks, even months away. And so, by buoyant, you mean the building industry is quite active right now. It's it's uh, it's it's blown up, yeah. yeah. To yeah. to to coin a, a North American phrase, yeah. um, so, you know, we've we've come off quite an interesting few years mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you've almost had to scratch and claw for, for opportunities. And now, you know, we're, we're almost, well, we are, we're, we're declining, politely declining opportunities because we're at capacity and we won't be able to service those clients. You know, someone that Jason and I know, uh, a, a single family builder uh, recently told us, uh, you know, we can sell everything we can build right now but we can't build everything we can sell. Mm. So they're also turning down opportunities. Crazy considering where things were maybe yeah. just a few years ago, how quickly things have turned. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And so what are some examples of, of what you're talking about as far as things that normally wouldn't have been a big deal for a, for a project and that are now yeah. getting time, extending timelines because you can't get them? Yeah, well, for us immediately, it's um, engineered water, engineered materials. Um, because we are in the, the the wood frame area of the industry, um, so that's a that's a big that's a big ticket item for us. So trusses, joists, yep. blue lamb, exactly. beautiful stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah any anything uh, anything kind of timber related, um, you know. I mean, it became a commodity, so um, that that's been a a, a big um, a big concern for us. But we're we're seeing prices coming back in line or at least reducing a little bit because the supply chain is is getting better. Um, things like electrical transformers for projects, they used to be maybe a 12-week lead time. Um, we're now seeing up to 60 months. That's six zero months. Five years. <laughs> wow. What? Yeah. Sorry, 60 weeks. 60, 60 weeks. weeks. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 60 weeks. Still. Yeah. Still. It's crazy. Still, it's a but factor that's of five. It's yeah. five times yeah. longer. Yeah. Well, that's it because 
you know, if we have a, a it's first time I was speechless on building tech. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> that is a record. Wow. Yeah. Well done. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, we've got, uh, if we have a, a client, a developer that comes to us and they've got a set of DP drawings or they're, they're trying to get building permit, if they haven't ordered the transformer and they think they're starting in three months, they've got another thing coming. You know, wow. it's, it's another year that they've got to wait. Um, anything such as uh, cast iron, so cast iron piping and fittings for um, building mechanical systems, they're, they're long lead items as well. Um, so, so that's uh, you know that's another area of the supply chain that we've we've really got to look at PVC, you know, plastics, PVC pipes and fittings and that sort of thing. So, yeah, there's a lot of concerns around the supply chain that we have to deal with, in addition to you know the other day to day construction. Now, you know, J- Jason, you know, obviously, um, Q Construction has has a absolutely fantastic reputation. In Alberta, and, and Thank you. you have a, uh, you guys are well known for quality products. You know, delivering on time, on budget schedule for you know clients that you've had long working relationships with. Mm. So, have here's the question. I guess the setup a little bit is: Have you considered kind of economics one hundred and one when you know the supply gets constrained? You know, do you look at alternatives because you you've built you and your partners have built a wonderful business model? Do you just as you mentioned earlier, politely decline projects, or do you see what else is out there and start to consider alternative materials, technologies, other other things that may help alleviate some of these issues? Well, yeah, yes, of course, and and you know, regardless of the supply chain um, at that particular time, we're always looking for you know innovative options for our clientele. Um, you know, for instance, prefabrication is is a, a big trending item at the moment or or, or process. Because of the supply chain concerns with with conventional or, or standard uh, materials, so yes, it's a matter of um, of educating clients of what's available out there, and um, you know, hopefully th- those developers or our clients will take the leap and um, you know use a product that may not be you know run of the mill and what's been used for decades. Right. Jason, do you think we're going to return to normal here with the supply chains anytime soon? And and is there a new normal that we may now experience with sort of permanent shifts in some of the chains? Uh, I'd be interested in getting your your opinion on that. How long is a piece of string? You know, <laughs> I, I, I wish I had the answer for you, um, Doug, but um, but unfortunately I don't. Um, I don't. Uh, you know, it's it's not it's not. Um, it's an issue that we've had for several years. So the longer that that we had those issues, the longer it takes to return. Um, so yes, of course we had, you know, dare I say it, the recession in, in Alberta, and then that flowed straight into the pandemic. And now, um, you know, piggyback that with the unrest in in Ukraine. Um, you know, we we it's almost like the perfect storm. Mm. But um, as I mentioned before. The, the industry with, with timber is starting to come back into maybe what we call the new normal. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I really wish I had an answer for you, but I'd, I'd, be, I'd be clutching at straws, to be honest. Yeah. So no 
No light at the end of the tunnel from from Jason today. On well, there's always a, there's we're always having a, a hard time the pinning them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 The, uh, I want to go back to something you, you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier about the the permitting process because one of the things that a lot of people are saying is you know we need more housing in in Canada and and the U.S. Really, like there's a there's a housing crunch. Mm. There's a and the prices are skyrocketing as a result, pricing people out of the market rising interest rates making it difficult so a lot of people are saying like we need a solution for that and you were mentioning that um you know the permitting process is is causing some delays right now can you expand on that like where where that's happening for your clients well once again it's it's a flow-on effect from the pandemic everyone started working from home or you know companies got shut down and and you know that was more in the in the public the public sector so again um you know it's resources it's a lack of um, professional resources. There's there's a lot of people out there looking for work, but they may not have the expertise required, mm. um, you know, to expedite the process. Um, so really, you know, what used to be maybe a three month uh, process to to achieve building permit after you receive your development permit is now taking up to six or even twelve months. And that's just so you can start your project. Exactly. That's just so you can put a shovel in the ground and, and start building. Yeah. Well, and in Canada, that must cause issues. You know, we, it's not a, it's not like we have, you know, wonderful 20 degrees Celsius weather 12 months out of the year. (laughs) So when you're, you know, you're, you got to get the shovel in the ground and you got to worry about foundations and hoarding. Does it, your, your budgets can move. Yeah. Do you sometimes then, even if the building permits delayed and you're maybe going into a winter season, say, okay, we're going to now hold off till the spring to do the uh, initial site work. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because otherwise you, you, you're encountering uh, winter conditions, heating and hoarding. And, mm. you know, depending on the size of the project, for instance, with, with a, a new multi-family uh, project of ours, that could be $150,000, $200,000 increase. Wow. So, yeah. And so now, it's up. now your one-year delay for your permit is now turning into a year and a half because you've lost your building. Yeah, that's exactly right. If you don't yeah. get in the ground, particularly in Calgary, if we don't get in the ground by... Uh, middle of October, it's usually pushed out to a spring start. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I wonder if it's some of the uh, material shortages have, have crossed over in Intel. I mean, you guys mostly work with Alberta projects, but there was a real issue in BC where they mm-hmm. were unable to get concrete. They were unable to get asphalt for, you know, even to get the roads into the, the developments in order to start building them. Has that sorted itself out or was that ever an issue for Al- your Alberta projects? Yeah, it, it hasn't really been too much of a concern for us here. Uh, we we do operate in BC as well. Um, we're, we're, we've got a foothold in the Okanagan now. Um, we've just started a townhome development in Peachland. Um, so yes, we are seeing challenges over there, but it, it really, to be honest, Alberta and, and BC with, with our area of the industry, we've got, we've got similar challenges. Um, I do know that Alberta is actually trending up and BC may be um, halting a few projects because of the, the, the supply chain, the cost of um, the cost of product and also the, the price of land, mm-hmm. you know, because the Okanagan is, <laughs> as, as we all know, the Okanagan yeah. is just going through the roof. Yeah, we were told the Okanagan land prices have doubled in four years. It, it's insane. It's okay. absolutely insane. And it's just because of the work live situation now off the back of the pandemic and, um, you know, people's, uh, uh, I suppose, their, their reset in their mind uh, yeah. of their work live situation. It's, uh, it, the Okanagan is a, it's a huge, um, it's a huge purple patch. And, and I can understand this, you know, a bit of shout out to, you know, tourism Okanagan, you know, it's Canada's wine region. You got beautiful yeah. lakes, 
the weather is yeah. by Canadian standards quite warm. So for the, you know those watching out of the U.S., you know it's a it's one of the most beautiful parts of Canada. Yeah. Extra couple of people, months golfing. Extra yeah. couple of months golfing, yeah. and uh, a lot of people have relocated there from Vancouver, BC, or Calgary, Alberta, yeah. or second homes. Yeah, they definitely want to be out there. Yeah. So to kind of complete the challenges you guys are looking at right now is also I mean, we've been talking about this a lot uh, is is labor shortage, yeah. skilled, skilled labor. Um, so now we've we've talked about you know whether you can get the materials to build with, whether you can get permission to build. Now, do you have the people that you need in order to get the project done? Yeah, yeah. That's again, that's that's a big ticket item as well because uh, we lost a lot of the specialist or the skilled trades and labour um, to find work a few years ago, and now and, and we also lost a lot of the temporary foreign workers that, that are skilled trades and labour as well. So now we're trying to acquire them back into the region so that we can build. Um, you know, I suppose. You know, we can we can uh, we can look at the ski fields, right? Mm. Um, when you go up to the ski fields these days, you don't get all the accents <laughs> such as mine that you used to hear because everyone went home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yours will be Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Did I get yeah. that? Just south yeah. of Texas. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's right. Just south of Texas. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love hearing the Aussie accent. Um, you know, to add to the labor uh, question, though. You know, we were just talking about you're doing a project, Q Construction, doing a project in Peachland. You know, townhome project. Mm. Um, I imagine some people live there, some people have second homes, but that's a, that's a very small community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's British Columbia. So getting labor there, I would imagine even more difficult a little bit in construction labor or not too bad. It is, but, but, uh, what we found is a lot of people moved into the region. Okay. And mm-hmm. what we found is, is a lot of Albertan sub trades or companies have set up in the Okanagan as well, or okay. Columbia Valley and, and, you know, all those hot spots. Because they can see the the, the business opportunity, um, we're we're also very lucky that a lot of our trusted trades and and groups that we've worked with for several years, um, they're happy to travel out there as well if they don't already have a foothold in the market. So they're almost using our projects to launch a little. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. So when we're we're talking about all these challenges that come up that you're, you're facing right now. Is there, when you, when you get a new project coming in the door, somebody who wants to build or wants to have you manage their project, what, how does it change now? What are you saying to them to get a good start in order to at least not be uh, behind the eight ball as much as they might be? Well, we're lucky because we get involved on our projects at a really early stage. Um, most of the time during conceptual design stage and we can provide that, development management and pre-construction support. So we're, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're jumping those hurdles throughout the, the process, the development process leading up into construction. Of course, there's going to be areas that we can't control, but wherever we can, we're, we're controlling them. And, and for instance, those long lead items, we're letting the client know if you if your process or your, your schedule is to start building in, in spring of 2023, we need to be ordering those long lead items right now. And is there confidence then that those will get there on time or are you seeing those delays extend or is it kind of a, a, at a good baseline now? You, you have a pretty good idea. Yeah, I, I think the hope is that it will, inc- the, the timelines will, you know, improve. I think, Doug, you, you asked that question, but yeah, I'd like to think that they will because we went from really, uh, you know, no manufacturing, no supply for, you know, quite some time to then 
the US kind of got the jump on Canada and they started building and they exploded. So, you know, the, the supply and demand went through the roof and, and then we kind of caught up. So now all of those suppliers and those manufacturers, they're getting back to or they're at 100% capacity again um, with their with their um, with their facilities. So yes, we'd like to think that you know there will be an ease in those long lead items. Yeah. Well, I think that's you know for Q. You guys have been in business for a while. You have the relationships. You can probably also trade on some of those relationships and expertise. You, you mentioned you get involved in the projects very early on. So yep. you're advising your clients. Okay. Given the current situation with, you know, the supply chain challenges, we need to, what would normally be step five was now going to be step three, the transformer example. Exactly. And you're going to, so that they don't have those missteps along the way. And that's a big value proposition for your company. Yeah. And when it comes to, I'm going to again, go back to something you mentioned that was, I thought was interesting where you're, you're talking about educating um, your developers and your, and your, and your clients. Uh, we work in a lot of the the startup space with a lot of different companies that have new ideas, new products, new ways of building. That's and you know with all the accelerators and 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 startup like startup TNT and and uh, Foresight and some organizations we're involved with. There's so many great ideas out there mm. uh, to hopefully address some of these issues that you guys are, are facing. But it really is that uh, adoption stage. So if if you could give advice to people in the startup world who have these these ideas to help you or help your, your customers? What, what do you need in order to help educate your customers? Just, just really support on the budgeting side of things is, is vital because for instance, you know, with, with, with um, the ZS2 products, um, because we haven't, you know, necessarily built using your products, we need to know, uh, where your products are going to kind of start and finish and, and what areas of, of uh, other materials or labor is required for us to help with that budget. You know, for instance, with, um, uh, with the modular building side of things, you know, of course it's, it's, it's the future of construction, but it's also understanding where the engineering of, of, of the modular side finishes and when we, where we pick up with the conventional build. So it's really that build cycle, really understanding yeah. where things can fit in and where their their products can help. Yeah, get exactly. Out. And and yeah. helping look at things apples to apples, truly exactly. understanding rather yeah. than like, okay, I see this, this, but what is it really replacing? That's right. In a traditional build. But really, you know, with with developers, I think they're they're you know clients are really starting to come around and understand that, um, you know, if we look at other parts of the world, you know, un not unfortunately, but you know, cat we're a little bit behind. You know, and we need to catch up. There's a lot of there's a lot of outstanding products available to us, but because no one's ready to take that leap of faith, uh, we're kind of being held back. So hopefully now, because of everything that's happened over the last few years, we're seeing a lot of our clientele starting to really look at you know prefabricated products or um, other other options that are available to them to number one speed up construction and reduce waste. Um, you know, a big a big trending term for us right now is net zero, net zero building. Um, you know, more and more clients are asking for that net zero building because I think uh, by 2050, the Canadian government has, has mm -hmm. wanted to reduce emissions um, to net zero by 2050. So that's another big ticket item for us too. Mm -hmm. 
And do, and do you see those tools available right now in order to to get there? You think that's doable? Oh, yeah. doable but you just need people to start adopting. They've been them. available for decades. Yeah. But again, you know, some people don't want to be the the the, the guinea first, pig. Yeah, the first right? on the bus. Yeah. So there's, a, yeah. there's an adoption curve, a natural that's adoption right. curve, and we're I I think we're starting to see that adoption curve move, and then you know historically and any new technology introduced to a large industry, it, it does become that wave and it quickly accelerates. And I do see that. I know from our own perspectives, um, rather than us trying to get in front of developers and builders, there's been a shift over the last six months where it's people coming to see us. Um, it, obviously it helps in our world that we have the projects to mm. demonstrate. So they know to Jason's point, they're not the first person. Yeah. Um, we've been fortunate to have some real avant-garde thinkers and uh, you know clients in the U.S. and and in Canada who are starting to showcase, and I think that'll help accelerate things. Yeah, and I think we, you know, sometimes because we do get so busy, we lose sight of what our role in the industry is. You know, we need to advocate for the industry. We need to advocate for for technology and innovative um, materials or or or, or, um, or systems. So, you know, yeah, we need to take a step back, see what's available and, and, and keep promoting that. And Jason, of the structures that your company is involved in, what, what percentage would you say would be net zero or have shown interest? And it, could you ex- speak to maybe the premium if there is one with going to something like net zero? Yeah, so really we're looking at around about 10% okay. um, of, of our, of our um, projects that we're either in discussion or we've, we've gone down the route of net zero. Um, so there is a premium, like, like anything that's good in the world, um, whether it's, uh, you know, healthy eating or food or, uh, or a, um, net zero building. Yes, there is a premium, but really, um, the, the long-term savings is, uh, you know, that's, that's where the, the developer or the client really sees the, the attractiveness of, of a net zero building, because yes, you play that, you pay that premium up front, but. Once they get into their facility, there's a much reduced operational costs um, and uh, and energy usage. So, uh, you know, really, um, a, sh- a small investment up front is a huge gain in long term. So, does that mean you see the um, the developers that are going to be the end user as well being the more likely to do the adoption of, of new technology? Yeah, if they become the landlord of the facility, then then usually that's you know they're the ones who will see the ben- the long term benefit. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and we've we've definitely seen that. I think ourselves here, uh, particularly in Western Canada, um, in the U.S. and some of the markets, uh, you know, where we're seeing a lot of traction, um, they're big cities where labor where you know, we're, we're first cost competitive. Um, but here it's more the long-term owners and it's the end users who are, who are pushing, mm. pushing mm-hmm. for the more um, resilient, sustainable building methodologies. All right. Well, I think uh, we've kind of reached our time for this episode, but I really appreciate uh, Jason, you coming in and filling us in on what you guys are facing as far as project goes and hopefully how uh, ourselves and other startups in the in the building space can start uh, addressing some of those needs and uh, get those supply chains running. Yeah, and this has been a great real time kind of real time construction update you know, mm. for, on behalf of Q Construction. Kent, you know, we learned a lot today. No, yeah, thanks thank for having you. me. It's been a pleasure, guys. All right, and as always, uh, be sure to subscribe and like and share this episode. We are on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as YouTube. So we'll see you next time.